We have a team down in Guatemala right now, and I think we need to pray for them and for the dedication tomorrow. And I want to ask David if you would come. Would you pray for the team down there and for the dedication for the church tomorrow? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the blessings that you pour out on us, Lord. The blessings that you pour out on the orphans in Guatemala, Father. Mm -hmm. Lord, we thank you for the provision. We thank you for your mighty provision that you have made available, Lord, to build this church for you, Father. For the glory of your kingdom, Lord. Lord, that you've built a church to bless the thousands, Lord. And that the orphans are going to be your workmen. Lord, I just thank you that you're raising up an army of children, Lord, that will become an army of adults, Lord, that will carry your message to the world from that church, Lord. Lord, we just pray that you bless it, that your anointing is upon it, Lord. Lord, that you, that you touch each and every person that walks through the doors of that church, Lord. We just thank you that you are, your spirit is there, Lord. You rest there, Lord. And that miracles will happen there, Lord. Lives will be changed. Lives will be saved. Healing happens there, Lord. Lord, ministry happens there, Lord. Lord, that people will hear the word will spread, Lord, from the, across the country, Lord, that you are there. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for every, each and every child that, you've, that you have given us the blessing mm. to bring into your kingdom. Lord, from a place that they not, n never dreamed that they would end up when they began, Lord. Lord, you truly do bring beauty from ashes. Father, and we just thank you. We thank you that your word is true. Lord, we thank you that your word is powerful. Lord, we thank you that your word never stops working, Father. Lord, we bless each and every person at that dedication tomorrow, Father. We pray that you, that the words that will be spoken will be changing lives from the very first word uttered out of the first person's mouth. Father, and that, that your anointing will flow over those in that congregation, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you, that you blow on through at that mountaintop, Lord. And that you bless each and every one, Lord. Lord, I just pray a special blessing upon all of our group that are down there, Lord. Lord, you have taken them down there safely, Lord. Bring them back home safely, Lord. Lord, and we just thank you again, Lord, for your mighty, mighty provision. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's so cool to see the body of Christ in ministry, the body of Christ that is joined together to... Uh, to move under the direction of the head, who is Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, um, I want to start out tonight by reading a few uh, words from a little book written by A.W. Tozer called The Knowledge of the Holy. If you've never read the book, you need to. Uh, but I want to read a few things so that we can all together tonight have the same perspective, that we're all coming from the same point of view with respect to who God is. And I'm going to read from a chapter on the divine omniscience. 
the divine omniscience. So just tune your ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has said through this godly man of A.W. Tozer about God's divine omniscience. To say that God is omniscient is to say that he possesses perfect knowledge and therefore has no need to learn. But it is more. It is to say that God has never learned and cannot learn. Could God at any time or in any manner receive into his mind knowledge that he did not possess and had not possessed from eternity, he would be imperfect and less than himself. God had no origin. He had no beginning. He requires no helpers. He suffers no change. And in his essential being, there are no limitations. God perfectly knows himself, and being the source and author of all things, it follows that he knows all that can be known. And this he knows instantly, and with a fullness of perfection that includes every possible item of knowledge concerning everything that exists or could have existed anywhere in the universe at any time in the past or that may exist in the centuries or ages yet unborn. Because God knows all things perfectly, He knows no thing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He is never surprised, never amazed. God is self-existent and self-contained and knows what no creature can ever know, himself, perfectly. His knowledge of our afflictions and adversities is more than theoretic. It is personal, warm, and compassionate. Whatever may befall us, God knows and cares as no one else can. That's God. So, let's see what God says in His Word. So get your Bibles out. You remember John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we're going to be looking at the very Word, and we're going to start with Ecclesiastes 3.1. We're also going to do something a little bit different tonight, because we're going to use uh, some PowerPoint presentation. And uh, we're trying something out for the first time tonight, because I have a remote clicker up here, so I can change the slides. And we'll see how that works. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So remember what I just read about God's omniscience. And it says here in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. 
So this omniscient God who always has been and always will be, who exists in the past, present, and future simultaneously, who knows all things instantly, knows each one of us personally. And there is a time that God has ordained for everything under heaven to happen in time. There is a time to be born, and there is a time to die. In between the birth and the death is a period of time that God has known, and He has always known. Let's look a little bit more at it. So we have this timeline, and let's look at um, birth. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. So, we know from this psalm that God made us in our mother's womb. He knitted us together in all of the minute details of who we are. He, it describes and in, in lovingly in King James Version that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. As a physician, I have studied down to the minutest detail of the cellular structure and all the way up, and looking at the, um, the, uh, how two cells divide and become a newborn baby that I deliver, and I just marvel at the wonder and the miracle of it all. He did that. He knew about each one of us in our mother's womb. It says that He watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So that initial point right there And that line going all the way forward, he knew every detail, every day, every moment before we were even born. I don't know about you, but that just, I just cannot wrap my head around that. But it's true, it's his word. So let's look. What happens along this line? Jeremiah 29.11, you all know this. You probably have it memorized. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So on that blue line, he knew all about each one of us, and he had a plan. He had a plan for every one of us. So right there at our birth, We were born with an identity, and now He has a plan for us, and it says it's a plan for our welfare. He's a good God. To give us a future and a hope. It is a plan for our welfare and not for evil. Amen? Get that down. It's a plan for our welfare and not for evil. And then it says, 
In Psalm 73, 24, this is in the New Living Translation. I love it in that translation. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. So he birthed us with an identity, and now he's leading us to a destiny. He had a plan, and it was a plan that was leading us all the way to he even knew and had ordained under heaven when we would die. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So we have to die. Unless it just so happens that Jesus will come back while we're yet alive. So there is a time to be born, and there is a time to die. We have a destiny that he planned for. He knew what that plan was all along for each one of us to know and understand and walk in. And he promises that he would guide us with his counsel. There's another verse in Psalm 37 that says teach, that he teaches and instructs us in the way that we should go. He counsels us with his eye upon us. Okay, let's look at this a little bit more. So, in God's plan, He planned to redeem man with His Son, Jesus Christ. So there's an opportunity for all of us sometime in our life to listen to Jesus knocking at the door, and whoever hears Him knock and opens the door, Jesus comes in and dines with us, and we with Him comes into our, our hearts, we are reborn. We are a new creation. And that's that golden dot up there. So somewhere along that blue line, we receive Christ. But what about the time before that? What did that time look like? Ephesians 2, 1-3, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So we all are different. I accepted Christ after uh, the summer after I graduated from high school. But in all of that time, up until then, I was living according to the world. The world was pressing me into its mold. I was serving the commander of the powers in the unseen world, and that spirit was at work in my heart because I didn't obey God. I didn't even know who He was. I didn't know His Son. And I was just going on my own as best I could. So we were getting the world stink on us before we found Christ. So what should happen after that point? Ephesians 4 since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, 
Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That is how we should be walking. Pastor Robert's been talking about that, hasn't he? Standing in that place of grace that we were brought to by faith, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we can allow the Holy Spirit to renew our thoughts and our attitudes and we put on this true nature that is marked by righteousness and holiness. Amen? Everybody agree so far? All right. So, let's look at a few more things. Um, that's, what we, that's the way we should be walking. But John 10.10 says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, if you recall, Jesus was baptized by John in water baptism. And right after he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven like a dove upon Jesus. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Right after that, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and during that period of time, he became very hungry, and Satan tempted him. So Satan tempted him at one of the weakest places. He's weakened in body. He's hungry. He's tired. And the very first thing Satan tempts him on is food. And he said, if you're the Son of God, command these rocks to be turned into bread. That would satisfy his hunger, wouldn't it? But you know the answer. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so Jesus defeated Satan in three areas, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And then Satan left him for a little time until he could find another opportunity. Do you think it's going to be any different for us? So that devil will come at our weakest position, and he is going to attack us there. But we have the same uh, word that Jesus had. In fact, he gave us the full armor of God, didn't he? And we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and we have the shield of faith that does what? Quenches every dart of the, of the devil. So, we have been equipped in the same way that our Lord Savior and Savior, Jesus Christ, was equipped to defeat the devil. But the devil is going to tempt us. So that means that we have a choice. 
So in Deuteronomy there on 30, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Ooh. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You and your descendants might live. See, it isn't just about us. It's about everyone that comes after us. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. It's so powerful to have a man of God like David get up and pray for all of those people in Guatemala and for that church dedication. So that church becomes a, a beacon on a hill for the whole country of Guatemala. And, and it is a, it's because we together united our hearts tonight as David prayed because we choose life. And behind that choice of choosing life is all the power of God in everything that he has known and, and knows instantaneously about everything that's going to happen. And I know in my spirit that as David prayed, God was moving. Tomorrow is going to be a glorious day because we prayed, because we chose life. Okay, let's look at this a little bit more. So we have a lifeline. Let's call this a lifeline from birth to death. Before we knew Christ, this typified us, Ephesians 5. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. <clears throat> do you see that today in the world? Did you do it? Yeah, I did. That's what typifies the carnal nature. That's what typifies the sinful nature. That's what typifies someone who is not rooted and grounded in Christ. On the other hand, what, when we, after we receive Christ, we don't have to live that way anymore. But now what, does, what typifies our life is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. <laughs> so now, that we can look like that. But, unfortunately, in that worldly behavior, we can get wounded. Or we can form ungodly beliefs. Or we can get entangled in things. Right, Alan? We can get entangled in things that we can't extricate ourselves from. We may even dabble in the occult. Sometimes innocently and unknowingly. 
And there's definitely sin that, that was written up there in Ephesians 5. All of those things, sin. And we can actually carry those things forward. <clears throat> Even after we accept Christ. We see it in freedom prayer all the time. And we'll find out that there was a wounding deep down that we covered up because it was so painful and tried to ignore, and yet we carried that scar forward and it actually um, caused certain behaviors to happen in our lives. And we would wonder why we always flew off the handle and got angry when we tried as hard as we could not to get angry, but we got angry anyhow. And it's because of those kinds of things that were imprinted in us that Jesus died for so that we could be set free. So being a physician, I wanted to touch on the fact that not only do we have a lifeline, but we have a health line. And we can have what I was just describing, adverse childhood experiences. This is in the medical literature. It's described. Uh, Kaiser Permanente in California did a big study uh, that, that actually came up with a, a scale called an ACE score. And depending on how many adverse childhood experiences someone had, you could pretty much determine how they would be acting in their adult life. So, physical and emotional abuse and neglect, sexual abuse, uh, violence, domestic violence in the home, uh, the absence of one or more parents, those kinds of things are adverse childhood experiences that leave an indelible mark on a child. The other things that happen are things like chronic stress. I taught in Sunday school about this. In our society today, people are operating under constant and chronic stress. So they're always in that fight or flight mode. It increases inflammatory markers in the body. And it begins to lead to those things on that health line, such as hypertension, diabetes, heart attack, rheumatoid arthritis, stroke, dementia. Also because of eating a standard American diet. High in sugar, processed foods, food additives, leads to those things. Sedentary lifestyle. People do not exercise. People have a job where they sit at a computer all day long and they never get up. They never exercise. I was listening to an integrative cardiologist yesterday and she was saying that exercise for someone with cardiovascular disease or a risk for cardiovascular disease is just as important as any medication. It's on the same level. Obesity. Over one-third of the U.S. population is obese. 
Jeannie and I went to Texas Christian University and uh, just got an alumni magazine, and it had a story in there about three girls that originated in Vietnam uh, but came to the United States when they were very young, and it was talking about the, that they graduated from TCU, and they, were, they talked about the things that they were doing, and they had a picture of them. All three of them were overweight because they came to the United States, they began to eat the standard American diet. So all of these things is the opportunity for the thief to come and steal and kill and destroy. And it's not just in, in those kinds of health problems, but uh, you could throw up uh, uh, depression, major depression, bipolar disease, any of those other kinds of mental, emotional, psychosocial disorders all because of those kinds of things. And that is the thief at work trying to do what? Destroy. What was, what was Satan trying to do to Jesus in the wilderness? Destroy God's plan. To destroy God's salvation plan for mankind. He wants to do the same thing for you and me. And we are helping him. I submit to you that all, do, having all of these things and not, um, well, we'll get to that in the next slide, can lead to a premature death, a death that God never had planned for you because Satan came in and destroyed God's plan. His Jeremiah 29, 11 plan for you. He had a plan for the time for you to be born, and he had a plan as the omniscient God as a time for us to die. And yet, we allow the enemy to come in and to steal and kill and destroy. What can we do about that? Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, uh-uh. I came that they might have life, zoe, and have it more abundantly. Overflowing. So we can uh, know and understand what uh, the Lord says in Jeremiah 33, 6. So this verse has kind of come, came to me. The Lord gave this verse to me <clears throat> as a vision for what will happen here in Utopia. And he says, Behold, I will bring it. And in it, he's referring to in here is Jerusalem, which we are. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. So he's talking about us. I will bring you health and cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. 
He said, Father God, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. He has brought us an abundance of peace and truth through the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit whom He sent to live in us and to guide us into all the truth. So, Jesus paid the price to do those things. To heal the wounds. To free from entanglements. To break generational curses. So that when we choose life, it is for us and all of our descendants. He breaks generational curses. He forgives sin. Godly beliefs are restored. And we are at liberty to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Psalm 119, verse 45, one of my favorite verses, the psalmist says, I will walk in liberty or freedom. And that word there is rahav, and it means a wide open place. There's no obstacle. As far as I can see, there's just room to go. And you can go in any direction you want to go and you will not stumble because you walk in liberty. So I, I, what I'm trying to get across tonight, because this is what the Lord is doing in me, otherwise I wouldn't be here speaking. He is saying to me, Lex, You can be holy in all your conduct. As it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. He said, I have given you by my divine power everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. I have given you some very great and precious promises, which we sang about tonight. Very great and precious promises that will enable you to partake of the divine nature. All of those promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what I'm saying to the church is that we need to now make that choice to walk that way to get the wounds healed, to break off the curses, to get rid of the sin constantly, every day. Just like Pastor Robert says, repent is a good word. And we are set free. The Christian's bar of soap, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we go to... uh, Uh Uh-oh. Oh, you guys must have loaded an old PowerPoint. Um, If we go to... Now you have to go in your Bible to Joshua. Go to chapter 24. And we'll look at verses 14 through 15. So Joshua says... So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. 
Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So I want to remind you that if you go back to Joshua chapter 1, God is talking to Joshua and he says, Hey, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is now dead. You are going to lead my people into the promised land. So, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That Joshua, as soon as he heard that, he said, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. And he goes to the Israelite leaders and he says, get everything ready because in three days we're going into the promised land. He led. He stepped out and he led and he led from strength because he knew that the Lord his God was with him wherever he went. That should be our heart's cry, our heart's desire. Our every moment's thinking is how we become conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I love Paul in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. And, and this is toward the end of Paul's life. Oh, that reminds me of another verse. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, uh, he says, you know, there's three things that I really want to do. He says, I want to know him, Christ. I'll tell you what, Paul knew him. He'd been through beatings, whippings, stonings, robbings, shipwrecks. And he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. The Apostle Paul. But then, oh, we got to end on this one. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is really good. Verse 6. As for me, Paul's writing to Timothy, as for me, <clears throat> my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. So, can you put that slide back up with the um, timeline, the birth-death thing? So what... What the Apostle Paul is saying here, he was born, God had a plan for his life, he knocked him off his donkey on the road to Damascus, he was reborn, and he became the missionary to the Gentile world, and he had a destiny, <clears throat> and as he closed on that death that God knew from the very beginning uh, that, that moment in time when Paul would die, Paul says, the time of my departure is at hand. He knew it. We can know it. 
We don't have to let the devil cheat us out of it. And he said, I have, I have kept the faith. I finished my course. I have run my race. That's available to each one of us. To run that same race, the same course that God has charted out for us, and to run it in strength and in victory. Amen? So, choose you today whom you will serve. Amen. Time for the offering. Father God, thank You for these gifts tonight. Thank You that You're going to take everything that we give back to You and You're going to multiply it. You're going to take it to accomplish the very thing that You had planned from the beginning. You're going to do great and mighty things. You said in Jeremiah 33.3, Call upon Me and I will show you great and mighty things that you knew not. Well, we want to see the great and mighty things, Father God. So take these gifts and turn them into great and mighty things. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.